0: so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello and welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High Performing Women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Nancy McKay, who is a resilience expert and a life and equus coach, speaker, and author. She is a recovery and resilience expert um, who helps women find their voice and build their courage. She's the founder of Amazing Outlook Coaching and works with women virtually and with the help of horses to uncover the limiting beliefs that are keeping them stuck she also has a focus on women and alcohol recovering from and creating a new life after cancer and has been on Facebook and YouTube and all over the place and is coming at us live from Colorado so Nancy welcome welcome to the show thanks so much Alex it's great to be here yeah and so I'd love to you know I I like to start my interviews off just kind of asking what's brought you to the point of doing the work that you do um (sighs) that might be a lot, that might be a little, (laughs) whatever you want to share there. (laughs) The,
1: The biggest, the biggest thing probably is, um, surviving cancer. And I wasn't diagnosed at a terminal stage by any stretch. I was, um, diagnosed early stage ovarian cancer and, uh, but late enough that I had to go through chemo. So as I went through that, I, I, really became aware of mortality. And I was working at a a job that was with a wonderful company that had great benefits, and they paid me very well, and I was miserable. And so I started um, realizing that I didn't get sober and survive cancer to be miserable. And so I wanted to do something that fed my soul. And I I landed on life coaching and was training for that and then I found Equus coaching and I started training for that and now here I am loving every minute of it. So I retired from my corporate job a couple years ago and I've been coaching full-time ever
0: since. Awesome. It's always I, I love hearing stories of especially how you know we get to the place we are as coaches because very often it's because we really overcame some stuff. and I know yeah. you've you've obviously been through quite a lot in your in your life, both with you know getting getting past the alcohol experience and then also with cancer. So I'd love to dive into either or both of those conversations. but you know just for, sure. I think both of them can be, you know, kind of dark places where you you don't really, necessarily know what the future is going to look like. And right. so, you know what where where do we start? Like what if people are listening to the show and like either experiencing that or have family members going through that? Like what what's the beginning of the journey with recovery? <laughs> we'll, say. well,
1: um with the alcohol. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic household and my father was an alcoholic, my mother was a heavy drinker. And that's not to say that we, you know, didn't have a lot of fun, but, uh, I learned to walk on eggshells at a very early age. And so that, that was, you know, it just kind of created my persona. Um, I was a people pleaser. I tried to put on a happy face all the time, but I also wore my heart on my sleeve, so if I was in a good mood, everybody knew it, but if I was unhappy or angry, you also knew it, but I wasn't really allowed to say the words that I was angry, so I had to stuff that because it wasn't honored, and, um, you know, growing up in an alcoholic household, you're angry a lot, (laughs) Yeah, but you're not, I was never, um, allowed, let alone encouraged to voice that. So I learned how to be a people pleaser. And that, you know, that created my life for a long, long time. And, um, you know, I started drinking in high school like all my friends did. And it, you know, really wasn't until my thirties that I started probably drinking more than I should and in my 40s, I started, you know, I was a daily drinker and, um, you know, drinking pretty heavily. And then my father committed suicide when I was 50. And that put my drinking into a whole new <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I was racked with guilt and, um, you know, started drinking a lot more and started having the physical results of it. I was hung over every day. My hands were shaking really badly, but I, I never resorted to drinking first thing in the morning in order to help me feel better, which um, that probably would have happened if I hadn't tried to kill myself. <laughs> and um, so I I, that was in March of, um, 2009 and that ended my drinking career. Um, that was the, the knock upside the head that I needed in order to quit. And I, you know, I knew I had a problem, but, um, that, that got my attention. (laughs) So, so, um, you know, it's, and if I hadn't gotten sober, you know, like I said, I probably would be dead, but going through the recovery process helped me manage going through the cancer process. And it, I never, it never occurred to me to drink when I was diagnosed with cancer or when I was afraid I would be diagnosed with cancer. It was, I, it never occurred to me, um, which is, I think, pretty noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, and and um so I'm very grateful for that. That doesn't mean that I've never had an urge to drink, but um that that wasn't one of the things that triggered it. So That's really
0: impressive because generally when, you know, we experience something like frightening like cancer you know unknown Mm -hmm. I I can like there's there's so many unhealthy coping mechanisms or ways that we could approach that that right really impressive that you reached a point in your recovery where that wasn't even a consideration right now ice cream on the other hand (laughs) very probably all the ice cream right (laughs) all the ice cream Um, (laughs) and you know for those listening like in in my work and for myself I I was married to an alcoholic um in my Mm. first Marriage, and so I, I, can relate to a lot of what you're talking about because it is, it's about the eggshells and you know stuffing emotions and tiptoeing around the the person who's drunk all yeah. the time or never knowing what you're going to come home to. Really, really exactly. challenging. Yeah. and I think I'm I'm still dealing with health issues that resulted from you know my three years of being in that kind of environment myself. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of the women who listen to the show and those that I work with, especially up here in Alaska you know, alcoholism is rampant. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think we have the highest numbers anywhere. And, and you know, it, it is elsewhere too. We have listeners kind of around the world here, but, you know, so I just appreciate you sharing like your experience with it because it's, it's also one of the things that I think I, it's really hard to talk about. Like I always had a lot of shame or I didn't want to talk about it or I somehow like felt like it was my fault that I ended up in this marriage that was really, really unhealthy and just scary. But um, so I just wanted to acknowledge you for that, and then my my question was, you know, especially for women who might be listening to this who are in that struggle right now with with alcohol, you know, how because there's there's the AA approach which I know mm-hmm. helps a lot of people. One of the hardest things I've and this might be totally off off the wall, but one of the hardest things I had with that was there was never a point where you were recovered. Like in listening to your story, like I. I'm guessing you don't still consider yourself an alcoholic, right?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I got sober in AA and I, I went to AA for a long time. And the, the, the thing that, that changed for me was the anonymity element Mm -hmm. of AA, which, which I can respect, you know, you don't out someone else, right? Right. But but i'm i'm gonna out myself and i'm gonna help whoever needs it yeah you know and i'm not so (laughs) it's it's a it's a very interesting thing and and because of you know you bring up a really interesting point about never being recovered well there's a couple there's a couple reasons for that as far as aa is concerned and and right. I can't speak on behalf of AA. I we don't want to do that. That's, that's <laughs> a no, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But um, but the, the purpose of that is, is that what happens is. That. Well, what I've been taught, I guess I should pre- preference mm-hmm. it with that is that. When you pick up a drink it will trigger all of the physical elements of the disease so
0: gotcha. it,
1: it will if you pick up a drink it's mm-hmm. very difficult to control it and so um, no matter how long you've abstained and and what the science has has indicated is that there really isn't any, alcoholism is, is progressive. And so if I were to pick up a drink today, it would be as if I hadn't stopped drinking for the last 12 years. I It's not like I would pick up where I left off. I would pick up as if I hadn't stopped drinking. And right. And I'm not willing to test that theory. Um, I know I watched my father recover, relapse, recover, relapse, recover, relapse, and, and I watched that progression happen. So if he's any indication, that's true um, because he was, you know, he's he was sober for three or four years before he relapsed the first time. And it wasn't like, you know, you know, it got worse every time he relapsed. So, so I think there's a bit of, of truth. You know, I think there is truth to that. So, you know, and there's no guarantee that you're never going to want to pick up a drink. Right. So the, the consequences are, are astounding and very, can be very dangerous. So I say for myself that I'm in recovery. I don't say that I have recovered. That's not to say that I haven't recovered. I just, that's not the terminology that I use. And I don't know, you know, it's this is a really interesting conversation because I don't know if I don't say that because of my AA upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. Or If I truly feel that I haven't recovered from this and it's, you know, it's a, it's a daily mindful thing that I have to keep in mind. And that's one of the reasons why I love working with women who struggle with this is because it keeps me on the ball too. Yeah. You know,
0: which is huge. Um, and I just want to, you know, for anyone listening to this, I want to preface, like, I'm not saying anything negative about AA. No, I no, no. You know. I was involved in Al-Anon. It was just something like, there's a psychological thing that I'm, I'm alluding to here where it's like, at what point, not to say like, oh, I'm fine. And I can go drink now, but right. you know, at what point do we empower ourselves to, you know, and be that a new person. And, and so that's more where I'm coming at this. Yeah. And that's
1: a that. really interesting, um, idea and one that I, I believe in and I work with with my clients. And, it, and it's because our thoughts play such an important role in anything that happens to us, right? So mm-hmm. if we if we think the circumstances in our lives control us, that's incorrect. You know, it's our thoughts about the circumstances that create our experience. And so... If, you know, I used to think that I, you know, I wasn't enough and things, my life was shit and, you know, all kinds of things, you know. And when you have those thoughts, then those create feelings and you act on those feelings. So, you know, if you've created chaos in your head, then frequently alcohol is gonna be one of the things that you turn to, to cope with those uncomfortable feelings. And so so then when you change the thought process, when you learn how to, to actively manage your mind, then you don't need to numb out, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things that I've learned is that when women, listen to their inner wisdom, and really know it in their, in their soul, they don't need to numb. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, you're right, you know, the thought process and our mindset plays such a huge role in any kind of addiction. You know, if you tell yourself you're an alcoholic, or you're an addict, does that make you one? Right. Right. (laughs) Which came first, the thought or the addiction. Right. And, and, and so I, you know, I really work with my clients on their thought, you know, on their thoughts and their Mm -hmm. mindset and, and how they can listen to their inner wisdom and their bodies and, you know, just the whole package, because it's not just, um, you know, it's not the bottle on the counter that's causing the problem. It's the thoughts in your head about the bottle on the counter. So,
0: yeah. And, you know, we're, we're focusing in specifically on alcohol here, but I think this can, you know, this, this really applies to any addiction or any negative thing that we may be, you know, turning to instead of dealing with whatever the, the issue actually is. Um, and so, you know, the, these tools can, can apply to anything. So what are, what are some of the tools And I know you work with horses and I would love to talk about that because there's so much in in horse therapy that's out there. Um, but you know, where, for you, where did you start? Like, how did, how did you start making changes that led you, you know, to really getting to the point where your mindset was good, where reaching for the bottle just isn't even in your, on your radar, you know, at, at this point or those kind of unhealthy coping mechanisms, we'll call them.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and and I'm not to say, that, you know, this is not to say that I've um, reached the epitome of, you know, I'm not levitating yet or anything like that, which it's I thought ridiculous. I would be, but, <laughs> 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 but, you know, regrettably I'm not. And so, you know, for instance, sugar is still a, a big issue for me. And, you know, I still love my ice cream. So, you know there's there's that and i i'm still working on it but but you know the thing with um personal development which is you know i just i've always been interested in it and you know even when i was sitting on my patio smoking marlboro lights and drinking chardonnay i was reading <laughs> Don Miguel Ruiz, you know, (laughs) and all, you know, all the, all the things, right. All the stuff. So I've always had a bet there, but you know, the alcohol created this, this barrier of me really learning about myself and, and I continue to learn about myself. You know, I was, I just spent the weekend learning about myself and, and, you know it's there's never an end to it you know it's always we're all a work in progress but so with the horses i was a participant um of you know i was on the receiving end of equus coaching and various um modalities i guess you could say and what i learned was that horses reflect back to us what we're feeling and they they give us they give us something that I think that really a human can't you know I, I think horses are magic and so when when a horse can can mirror back to you that what you're thinking, what you're afraid of, what what you know about yourself to be true, when they validate that for you, it's transformational. It's absolutely transformational. And that's what they do. Because if you're not authentic with them, if you're not being truthful in yourself, you know, if, if you pretend, if you go into the round pen with a horse and you pretend like everything is just fine, thank you very much, when inside you're full of turmoil or incongruity, the horse won't really want to join up with you because the, they can sense that something's not right. And so they don't want to have anything to do with that. But once you get honest and real with yourself, Boy, here comes the horse and he's, you know, giving you signals that indicate that you're on the right track or you may not like what you're finding out about yourself, but what it is, is, is true. You know, um, they're not just about the positivity. They're about, you know, if it's like, you know, I feel horrible about something. Well, you know, you're onto something there. You know, they just, they just know, and they give us this incredible feedback.
0: That's really interesting and awesome. I, you know, I haven't been involved in any kind of horse therapy, but I've read a lot about it and heard a lot about it. And it's just so you know, what you're describing is it's really a tool to see inside of ourselves, you know, and, and like a, what a lot of personal growth and development is about. I'm on this similar. I spent like the whole weekend in these meditation courses through Mind Valley, which I just signed up to do. And they're like, but <laughs> hey. but I'm like going into <laughs> hypnosis before I go to sleep and like, you know, retraining my brain. It's awesome. But, yeah. you know, what we're talking about here is an, it's another tool to really help you do that. And, you know, it might be confronting. It might be, Whatever it is, like I've had to work through some ugly stuff about myself, especially coming out of my marriage. And I right. jumped into an affair from there and like really had to fall hard. But um, what's on the other side of that is just so powerful. Like we really get to experience ourselves as who we really are. And it's right, right. Cool. And the beautiful thing with
1: horses is you can get there so much faster the yeah. transformation can happen so much quicker with horses. Why? I don't know. That's part of the magic, but it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I've had every one of my clients has, has said, you know, first of all, that they've had a transformation. And secondly, they were blown away by how quickly it happened. You know, and I had one client say, you know, I got more out of this than I have in four months of therapy. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, Pretty astounding, and I have never had a client not say anything that is less than, you know, they're just amazed and and blown away by these horses. You know, it's just it's like
0: it's magic. <laughs> it is. It sounds like that's really incredible. And so this is kind of a logistical question, just you know, if you're listening mm-hmm. and like. We have horses in Alaska, but very few and far between because it's so cold. You know, yeah. is it something that you're able to do virtually? I haven't figured a
1: way to do that. I yeah. there there is some equus related coaching that you can do. You know that that I could integrate into working in person with a horse, but um, I haven't landed on that completely yet. I, you know, I need to do some reviewing and collaborating in order to really integrate that into my practice. There are parts that we can pull from, but you know
0: nothing is a substitute for actual being in the presence. And I didn't didn't think so just with the last year and a half. I was like, have we figured this out yet? Because that was cool. (laughs) um, You know, I could show videos.
1: Yeah, of a, a session, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not. It's going to be. Oh wow, that's cool,
0: right? But you won't have really feel that feel. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: There's a yeah. time when you need to actually be in person still, which is encouraging to know. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: so. and I, you know, I've got appointments this week and next week and the week after. So you know, we're we're coming out of it, and that's one of the nice things about being outside is, you know, we have the space and the nature and everything. Yeah. And
0: so all of which is healing and good, right? So, so, and kind of wrapping this all together, like what were, cause you've also, you know, dealt with the cancer process and conversation. Mm-hmm. So what, what were the tools that you were able to cultivate getting off of alcohol and, and going through that, that really helped you? with beating cancer um well probably the spirituality so
1: because the 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 coaching didn't come until after the cancer so Mm -hmm. what I what I learned from being in recovery helped me get through that so praying was one of the things you know I learned how to ask for help and be sincere about it you know, and it, so it doesn't matter what your higher power is, if it's the universe or God or the divine goddess or whatever, but having a higher power of some sort that you believe in that can help you is critical. And, yeah. you know, and I, so I prayed a lot and just asked, the biggest thing was take away the fear that I had. Mm -hmm. and then it went poof and for me that was enormous to not to be able to accept what was happening to me and not be terrified that was the biggest thing I think you know to to understand and that so then that's part of that thought process right so you know if you can look at your circumstances and know that you're thoughts are going to dictate how everything turns out, you know, the, the end result might be the same, but it's in between, that's going to make all the difference in the world. You know, if, if, if you're terminal and you think, oh my God, You know, and and it's not to say that you're not going to have this thought, oh my God, I'm dying. But if you make it, you can make it so much worse to where you don't appreciate and have gratitude for the things that happen to you in between point A and point B. You know, you can make yourself as miserable or... You know i can't say that you could be happy but but you can
0: accept the situation and make the most
1: of it yeah
0: you know? well it's that idea you know we can't control our circumstances but we can control how we show how we react to them and how we yeah. show up absolutely yeah. and there's so much in in just kind of what you shared there you know there's actually like harvard and a couple other Large institutions have done really interesting studies on the power of prayer and healing. Um, and so you know, turning to that, like, even if you don't necessarily have to believe yourself, half of the time, the people that they test this theory on, like, don't know they're being prayed for or don't necessarily are praying themselves, and that still, you know, astronomically, their outcomes are much higher than people who are not prayed for, right? Um, So, really, really interesting there. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, and, and I absolutely believe in the power of miracles, and, you know, and that miracles happen, and, um, you know, (laughs) there's so much, I think, in the universe that we don't understand, and to think that, that, you know, um, as, as we all are inhabiting the earth, in our current bodies, you know, uh, I don't think that that's all there is. <laughs>
0: that's, yeah. a, that's getting a little woo woo, but you know, I. Okay, I, I get woo woo on here a lot because I'm actually in a PhD program that's based in quantum physics. So that's oh, like, good. that's the level <laughs> we're getting to here, which is cool that we have science that explains it now. But, yeah. you know, mainstream medicine hasn't caught up to that. This is a. Right. That's part of us and healing and all that. So yeah. very cool. So Nancy, where I know you shared, um, and I'll put it in the show notes, just kind of a, a freebie for everybody, but where can people go to connect with you?
1: So my um website is amazingoutlookcoaching.com. And um you can reach me on my email, Nancy at amazing And I'd just love to hear from folks and see how I can either help them or what resonated with them. And I'm also uh, starting April 1st, I'm running a 30 day challenge to change your relationship with alcohol. So I can, um, I'll provide you with the link on that so that you can add it to the show notes. But it okay. starts on April 1st. So oh. I'm not sure when this will
0: air. We may not have it out by then, but if you have more dates, I can put whatever. Yeah. I can. Yeah. So awesome. They can always catch up. Yes. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I just appreciate you coming on and I love that you're so raw and real and just open about sharing about this, you know, these well, things because well, not yeah. a lot of people are and it's, it's yeah. big. And I think the more we talk about it, the more power there is in being able to heal. So
1: absolutely. Well, my, that's one of my goals in life is to shatter the stigma of alcoholism because that's what kept me drunk for a long time was um, the, the stigma. And, you know, it's it's not necessary to have it. It should be absolutely shattered and, and there's no shame in, in having, you know, this disease, affliction, whatever. It's not a, a stamp of moral um, ineptness,
0: <laughs> so yeah absolutely and there's you know i think some of the biggest growth and like most powerful people can actually come from being stuck in the stigma and and in the ugliness of it like there's there's so much on the other side so i just encourage anyone who's listening who's ready or you know has family members to Yep, it's
1: yeah definitely there's yeah. a way out. There's a way to feel better about all of it, no matter which side of the fence you're on. So
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Um we will Well
1: thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I'll select one lucky reviewer to receive a special Impeccable Health Sample Kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in my private Facebook group for high-performing women who are ready to transform their health and lives called the Tribe of Rejuvenated Women. There, you'll have access to free trainings, a community of like-minded women from around the world, and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first, so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.